0: crazy, crazy Serbian football i am uh it's great to have you guys back with us today as always i'm joined by my good friends uh today we have uh luca joining us luca where are you uh this week in the world
1: hey my friend this week i'm in charlotte it's getting charlotte north carolina it's getting a little um a little cold and i just don't like it dude
0: charlotte yeah it's a, little, it's a little north for you at uh, this time of yeah year. for sure man <laughs> <laughs> And of course, uh, we have our man from down under, Valley. Valley, how are you doing today?
2: Oh, did we actually finish last week's podcast? I've been talking ever since, <laughs> and I just didn't realize that you, you three, weren't there. Hey, yeah, big guys Um there. All right, let's keep going. Nice to hear from all three of you. There you go. And Alex, uh,
0: how's how's it going in to Belgrade oh, today, my man? Going
2: pretty good. Uh, it's it's been a bit of a still
3: a crazy week after everything went on in Portugal, and it still hasn't come down. And uh, I've been enjoying the fact that Portugal is going to miss the World Cup basically because of the playoff draw, so it's it's just
0: a happy day. Oh, beautiful, yes. Uh, we had a very historic uh, show last week talking about his previous historic win in Lisbon and qualifying for the World Cup. And this week we have another historic, another historic uh, accomplishment to talk about because uh, last week one of our beloved clubs, Partizan, gave Estonian football their first ever victory in Europe. So let's all give a round of applause for Fuku Partizan, absolutely masterful uh, stuff they accomplished there for Estonian football. Um, Alexa, I know you're a, you're a big Partizan fan. I'd love to hear your uh, thoughts on, on this it's a great achievement and and the upward swing of Estonian football currently.
3: I don't know why we ever did to that country, but those guys really do not like us. It's, it's the tradition established in 2010, and it hasn't gone away um god uh i i actually uh, was sleeping just before the game because it was a kickoff 4 30 and i woke up just like after the game started and after what i saw i wish i would have stayed in bed i wish i would have kept sleeping um just a just a terrible day all in all and then not just because of the game because of other stuff but the, the game itself was just a wonderful cherry on top of the, the crab cake i got um it is the second worst embarrassment that i can recall uh Partizan has ever managed to pull off at least in european terms shamrock obviously being the first one and the only reason this is not worse than shamrock is because you know at least we're not eliminated because of it um and i can give a little bit more credit to, to stoney in a sense that they are a country that's got you know a team that's played together for a long time and you know they've got a nice pitch and all that stuff and yada 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 but uh it's florida it's with our reserve team, we should have absolutely beaten them and it was boring. It was slow. It was evident that everyone on the team looked completely exhausted and it seemed like they just didn't care and didn't bother to turn up. And unfortunately we've seen these games already this year. We saw the game against Kenton at home, although it was nowhere near as bad and you thought it was much better, but just a complete lack of depth in this team has been evident. And the fact that they came with this approach of rotating guys and not coming out with a starting lineup is insulting in many ways. First of all, it's insulting to your opponent because one of the basic rules of football is that you cannot disrespect your opponent for any circumstances. It's beyond moronic in a moment when it's obvious that the financial situation in the club is a complete disaster. I mean, when, it's, when is it not? But especially now and after the other things we've heard about how Money's leaving for the football club to go to the water polo section and the cycling section and all that i mean they're they're stringing together like cakes and, and, and jars to try and hunt the players and you have an opportunity to make five hundred thousand euros from beating a team that's like what 396 on the uefa ranking place and you come out and you say oh well we have to focus on the domestically because it's important and all that stuff i mean it just, it, I, I don't even know really what to say i was just so completely disgusted by what i saw and it just Highlights and unfortunately goes in favor of why a lot of people maybe dislike Alexander and maybe don't want him to stay long term. Now, we haven't done a show uh, about our clubs, you know, pretty much since since the last show we did, Uh, and it's been a while. So in summary, as far as the season goes, if you were to ask me before the season started, how would I rate us now with a chance to get through the groups in Europe, and a advantage in the league which we haven't had in seven years we haven't reached the winter break being first in the table even when we won the, the double four years ago it was basically until the last few games where we were still behind you guys so in that sense this year has been an overachievement because this team does not have the caliber needed to win the title not that it lacks talent but it's a team that's not been well assembled the types of players that are in this team are not well because to the player one another and you're in the you're in the Conference League, which, if you look at it, is not that much worse than the Europa League. You know, maybe the teams in the bottom pots are, are vastly inferior, but the teams in the top pots are not much worse than the Europa League. The financial gains that you get from winning uh, in the Conference League are not much worse. So, in that sense, it is a success because, you know, we had a hellacious qualifying cycle to get there, and you would, if you looked at our qualifying opponents, and you made a group of Sochi, Santa Clara, and uh, Dolores Castreda, they'd probably be better than the opponents we are now. So in that sense, it is a success and I can give Stinevich credit for being able to win in Cyprus after we've had some horrendous games there, whether it was in Stopwell or Alimasol uh, and teams like that, I was able to knock out a Russian team, the fact that the team does have a tremendous amount of chemistry, does have a way of being able to close games out. You know, this, this is a team that I believe does seem mentally strong and is performing to the best of its capacity, but it, it is a detriment to the fact that the team was selected in this way and the fact that. I, I don't consider getting out of this group a success. I consider it the bare minimum and the fact that we're in a situation where we have to take the last game seriously just to get out of the group, I think is a, it is, is a failure and the fact that he's throwing all of his uh, eggs in the league basket is I think very risky because we know how the league is, even though uh, this year, since the situation hasn't been nearly as chaotic in terms of the off field stuff and. Zvezda for the first time has actually dropped points in, you know, games against small opponents. You still have a whole five, six months to go. You still have a team that desperately needs reinforcements. You still have the Derby away. And now you're going to have fans that are on, like, the last two games where there was no attendance. So there's a lot of factors that are very risky, and he's starting to taking the big gamble. And I think that if he wins the league, then that gamble is going to be a great one. And if he doesn't, then he's going to undo almost all of the good work he had in his first term. And, uh, all that I do know is that this team desperately needs reinforcements during the winter and I don't know where they're going to find them, but at least three or four positions need not only quantity, but also quality, because some of the guys really should not be wearing the Partizan shirt. And the fact that we didn't squash Flora with a reserve team is beyond embarrassing. And it's very symptomatic that the guy that had two massive success in his time, and the fact that Stanovich was able to beat Anderlecht way back when and he was able to knock out Sochi, that he, in his first term, had a great success in the Derby's, is now the same guy that has two of the biggest European embarrassments in the club's recent history. So it's, it's two sides of the same coin, and it is embarrassing, and I'm still going to have to wait until the end of the season to give a proper, I guess, analysis on what he's done. There's been some good things, there's been some bad things, but on Thursday was beyond embarrassing.
0: And it was even worse because of our coefficients because uh, we're looking like we're going to pass Ukraine on the coefficient ranking, but looks like Belgium might catch us. So that, you know, that shock loss really is really screwing us right now for the coefficient. Although I think our odds of getting two teams in Champions, it still look pretty great. And I think Patizans does a really good chance of getting out of the group unless they, you know, bottle
3: it majorly. In the, in the
0: final game, but if they bottle it
3: majorly. Then they should just disband the club. I mean, we talked about it right after the game, talking with some guys. You, if you cannot beat Anorthosis Famagusta at home, then what's the point? I mean, seriously. And also, in, in, the, in regards the Belgian point, they did have, I think, three or four teams in European competitions, so they were probably going to catch us anyway, just because the amount of teams they had. But it still seems like the the two Champions League teams in two years seems pretty a pretty realistic thing, as long as there's not a spectacular fail. Uh, by either Zvezda or, or Partizan. I think it should
0: be pretty safe. Yeah, exactly. I think if just two more wins should probably secure it for us. So we'll have two clubs in the Champions League for next year. And then even you know, even if that happens, I, I feel like the the tension and the stress and all the scandals and drama in the Serbian League will go down a bit more because they'll they'll both be going to the Champions League no matter what, right? So, I, I mean, obviously they still want the title, the cup, and all that, but that should lower the tension levels, just just a, just a slight slight bit, and hopefully we can keep up the good results. Um, and Zvezda as well in a difficult position in, in their group also. They did win uh, last week against um, Aludogoric, won nothing, and they are in first place, but um, very tough games coming up. They have to travel to Braga, travel to Portugal, where they, where they need a, a win or a draw. To secure um to secure advancement to the next round, um we just saw our national team go to Portugal and get a result, so if these guys can do the same thing, but it's anything far from from, it's going to be very tough going there because Braga is a, is a solid team, um they got a big result last game, and this group is wide open. Anybody except for Lugores can finish first or third, so it's a lot to play for, and I don't expect that you know. <laughs> It's gonna to be tough for Luger to take points off off the Danes, so it's gonna be up to Zvezda getting a result in Portugal. Um, Look, what are your what are your thoughts on the clubs so far in Europe, and we can get that second uh, Champions League spot.
1: Yeah, man. Um, obviously, I'm extremely hopeful that we can get that second Champions League spot. And and uh, and you know, Partizan dropping points, losing to uh, Flora, was extremely disappointing. And just to echo some of the stuff that um, Alexa said about Patizan's play, how it was sluggish, how players were looked fatigued or not interested or whatever it may be, I think you could say the same thing about Zvezda in the last game. If it wasn't for that, you know, moment of uh, brilliance by Ivanic, um, and then that magnificent goal, I mean, that would have been a zero boring zero zero draw. Uh, let's be honest. So I, I am getting a little worried about Zvezda's play in. Uh, Europe, even though they're first in the group, I believe we have ten points, and then uh, who's a Braga has nine, and then the Danes have eight. Um, So I I, just the last couple of games have been. It it looks like they just lose concentration and have been playing pretty sluggish. So I'm hoping they can really turn it around. I'm. It's going to be an extremely tough game when we go to Portugal, and I'm expecting. I'm actually expecting, a. Uh, the Portuguese to uh, return a favor to us because of what the national team just did and get a win over there and drop us out of um, the Europa League. I'm hoping it doesn't happen, obviously. Luckily, we can play for a draw and there's a possibility we could get it. I just, the trajectory that we're on right now, I'm just not optimistic that we will get it. Hopefully, I'm wrong, of course, but um, yeah, I, I just feel like Stankovic needs to do something to wake up the team um and shock them a little bit. I don't know if it's fatigue. I don't know. You, I don't know what it is. They just seem a little bit off.
3: You know,
0: the form has slipped for sure for Zvezda, especially the last couple of weeks. Uh, ever since the, you know the last international break, pretty much, just seems like they're not playing as well. They're not dominating even in the league. They're not dominating as they, as they used to. And I think they do definitely need another striker. I I know um, they're getting. Uh, that Norwegian guy from the Norwegian league, I forget his name, Oni or something. Like that they signed uh, was leading or uh, one of the lead, league leaders in, in that league in goals. So he should hopefully help in January. But yeah, I just don't think Pavlovic is, is enough. As you know, as good as he is, but I don't think he's enough. They need some more uh, reinforcements there. The Oni hasn't really worked out. Uh, Chajrojukovic isn't really a striker anyways, He's more a winger, but you know he's trying to play as a striker and he hasn't done much in his minutes. They definitely need another attacking spark. Uh, they just need a bit of, I think they just need to freshen the team up a bit, hopefully in in, in the winter break and get some, I know we've been saying this forever, maybe get some new fullbacks, <laughs> you know, but maybe, it's, you know, it just hasn't happened in the last like two, three years. So I don't know if that'll, that'll happen now, uh, but we'll see. Definitely on a downward spiral. And I am very, I, I have a very bad feeling about the game in Braga, but we'll it. see what happens. Vali, what are your uh, thoughts so far on, on this uh, European campaign for our clubs?
2: At the risk of sounding really controversial, but as, as you guys know, I don't shy from doing that. The word arrogance comes to mind for both Zvezda and Partizan in the last month. And I know that sounds really, really brutal, but I can't think of any other way to, to describe it. The thing is, the Ludo Goretz game for Zvezda... Um, they did fight to a certain degree of which a quality that Stankovic has brought to the team, but they were, they were extremely arrogant in the game before against Michelin at home of which then we saw, you know, us lose and we saw um, the un, un, um, sportsmanlike scenes that, that accompanied, you know, to the end of the game Um it, I, I don't know how to say this any other way. I think Zvezda and Partizan, what they need now is a slap in the face. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't, you know, like Partizan's, Partizan's shot loss to Kinsplora in Estonia and Zvezda, you know, just falling over the line at the moment is actually simply not good enough. Now, I I take it in a couple of other um, ways to to make my point and to see the point of view. Number one, the intensity of our league is not that great, so I it biggest belief to me why you would need to put a weakened side into um, a, a game against Flora, i.e. Partizan, and possibly look at uh, rotation in um, uh, cases like cases like Zvezda, and to say okay, we've got to go and play Flora in Partizan's case, I beg your pardon we got to go play Florian Tallinn and we'll get a weakened side so we can come back and, um, and have a stronger side against who? Against, um, you know, Kolubara, against Novi Pazar, against who? Like, who are you going to have, you know, strengthen the strengthen the side for? So I actually thought, you know, in both in both ways, the ways Vezda played against Michelin, they showed a little bit of improvement against uh, Ludo Goretz, but smacks of arrogance to me. And Partizan's way of, okay, not respecting the opposition and not respecting the trip and not respecting the European competition um, uh, against Flora smacks both of arrogance. The other thing that we need to say to us is not like they're playing midweek games regularly. You know, at the end of the day, the Serbian Cup is not known for its intensity. And then the other thing that we've got to realise as well is we're in an era of more substitutions than we were pre-COVID. And the Serbian League is going to go into hiatus within three to four weeks, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, for our winter break. So I don't think it's too much of an expectation to ask everything out of the players, whether it is for Pratizan or Tsarna Zvezda, knowing that in three weeks' time, we're all going to fuck off to Dubai or to to southern Turkey to to gain some sun and go back into um, uh, our mid-season break to say, you know, give, give it your all because I saw massive signs of optim- optimism. Like, at this point in time, I still think Partizan are favourites to win the league, you know, domestically. I, uh, I think that, you know, there is some in- good quality within Partizan's first 11, and then they've got, you know, a couple of players, as we all know, he's in you know, Markovic, Jojic, and things like that with, you know, great European pedigree. Uh, I still have a rye smile when I see Milan Smiljanic come on sometimes some to do a 15, 20-minute shift for Partizan, and him you know, because he played played in Australia, at least there's at least there's experience there. Um, and one thing that we you know we missed it during our hiatus because the last Vesla Partizan derby, I actually thought that was the greatest advertisement for Serbian football. I actually thought it was a really good quality game, and you know one that we hadn't seen in a long, long time. So I thought that there was real hope and optimism for the domestic league. Um, uh, looking after after that uh, home derby, but the last month has smacked a little bit of arrogance, smacked a little bit of um, disrespect, and uh, at this point in time, I think Partizan are more of a favourite to have a more successful season than Zvezda because let's face it, Zvezda's really fucked up with these signing of these foreigners and signing of these um, uh, transfers. And it's not a one-off. You Like, D&E is nothing short of disgusting. You don't bring in Falcao for him to sit on the bench. Um, then, heaven forbid, that we go back, you know, 12, 18, 24 months and we think of the and the names like Jande and Van La and things like that. I get Mooka thinking about it. So I think Zvezda really needs to rethink and at the end of the day, without being, you know, extremely brutal, Richard which hasn't worked either. So um, we've, got to, we've got to be really brutal about that and say, OK, these foreign transfers, are they doing anything that is enhancing their respective teams and the league? Because at the end of the day, if we've got the money to get these transfers in, the money's there somewhere. Right, I, like that's, that's the part that I find disappointing. The money is there somewhere. I think um, uh, most of our listeners would know on the pod that um, the ex-international Alexander Prijevic has actually signed a three-year contract to play in Australia. Uh, there was talk and rumour that, that that Zvezda were trying to get him and they couldn't re- couldn't reach an agreement. But all of a sudden, they can't reach an agreement with Alexander Prijevic, an ex-Serbian international who would know the, the landscape of how to play but they've got money for a DNE who is absolutely horrible. And I can't say it any other way. So um, that's what leaves a bad taste in my mouth. That's what leaves the disappointment for me. Um, obviously money's there, we're making horrible decisions and I think Zvezda the last month at European competition. And mind you, I think this conference league is fantastic. It is um, it is so nice to get a third European competition because, as you guys know, that um, uh, um, I remember the days when there was three European competitions, not two. There was the old Cup Winners' Cup, and that always produced the best finals, the best semi-finals. So this Conference League is actually is a welcome addition, and it couldn't have come at a better and more opportune time to help out Eastern European football, help out you know Serbian clubs, what have you. And I think we've taken advantage of it, but we won't realise that advantage uh, as much if Partizan don't progress out of the group stages of the Conference League and Zvezda don't progress out of the group stages of the Europa League. We need that more than life itself. Um, To complement everything what our national national team has done. So, yeah, it's been really disappointing the last month.
0: Yeah, and if they can both get out of the groove stage, it'll it'll be a pretty perfect year for us, right? Uh, and the national team qualifying and both the clubs qualifying for Europe for spring uh, football in Europe. Um, and you mentioned it. Zvezda's the uh, transfers have been god awful. Mitabruke, I really don't know how <laughs> what he's doing or how he still has the job. Some of the, some of the worst transfers the last two three years. There's really no no comment for it. The fact that the quarter team is still the same, for a large part in the last few years, despite all the players they brought in, says it all. Because none of them have really worked out, or almost none of them have worked out. Uh, 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 it just just doesn't make any any sense. They have to do something on that, and they have to. They're they're spending money. They're clearly spending money to get these players here. So obviously uh, the money's
2: there. Obviously the money's there. They can't cry foul. They can't cry poor, right? Obviously the money's there somewhere.
0: Yeah, and Falco was a record transfer, right? He was over over a million dollars, I think they paid for him. Um, allegedly paid, <laughs> ale- yeah, allegedly. I don't, think, I don't think they've seen any money yet. Uh, his first club, I don't think they've. Seen, was it from Lecce or Empoli? I can't Yeah, remember. Lecce, Lecce, Letta, Yeah, I don't think Lecce seen a dollar dollar <laughs> yet, which is uh, why they're <laughs> going to UEFA over that. But at the same time, I mean, if you had to uh, allegedly pay that much money for him. You know he has gotten plenty of chances, and I think he looked pretty good. You know this past weekend, but uh, he just hasn't played that regularly, and he has played. He hasn't looked that good, and something he's looked good. So it's just just not consistent. Um, So we'll see. It's it's very tough. I think both clubs have a good chance of advancing. But let's do some predictions. Um, So we have Zvezda against Braga and Petisna against. uh, uh, Anastrosis pamagusta? wherever you say that. Bless you, <laughs> <grief>. Bless you. <laughs> uh, let's hear it's some Uh, Alex, what are your predictions uh, for these games next week?
3: Well, the um, the Anatosis game, I, I think there shouldn't be any debate, and it better not because I'm going there. If I'm going to be in attendance, they better win. Um, I mean, look, Anatosis did pull off a result against Kent, going from the halfway line of all things, but uh. I don't know. I mean, I understand that they, they, you know, it it comes back to the because it's a wider point that I I needed to make. I understand that, you know, it's natural for the tempo and the quality of serving teams to dip during the winter, because the, the way that there's just not enough money in our, in our league, there's not enough money to go around for TV rights. And a lot of the times you depend on your transfers and what you get from UEFA to make sure that your budget is functional and optimal. And that's why a lot of times our teams, you know, hit their peak in the summer. And it's natural that the form goes down. And I'm not surprised that we haven't been playing well, uh, certainly in Europe. But um, that also comes down to having a squad of like, what, 14 or 15 usable players. And it's something that could have easily been avoided. And there was no reason at all why we should have been in this position. And regardless of how bad the complete lack of any moral high ground exists in the, in the board in terms of how much money they've taken there's still no excuse for looking how kind of we look against four and there's still no excuse for some of the tackle decisions so I think that the end of game the, the first game I saw against them they, they, they were hopeful on the, the rough domestic crowd and that they were going to come out and they were going to pressure us and we took the game to them and, and were fairly comfortable in doing so um, granted the, the situation we have now is drastically different to the one we had then because you don't have the response to the unfortunate case of his anemia and I hope that he gets well uh, very soon um, you don't have Tito so who's left. You don't have Lazar because who had a really gnarly injury. I mean, that was not pleasant to see uh, the way he fell uh, on on the grass. Uh, so, so, you're kind of undermanned, and your team is already suffering with minor injuries, and you don't have much rotation. Uh, ideally, I'd like to see some of the kids get a run out. I think Lazar probably just start to play better in, in the game He's got a chance. I'd like to see Marko Milovanovic get a chance to start because Ricardo looks like he's going to collapse every game because he never gets subbed out and he never gets rotated. Uh, but you're also aware of the fact that our history dictates that this is the type of game that we're destined to lose. I mean, I'm getting such flashbacks to the obviously game. We even had the luxury to lose, and we <laughs> the only thing we didn't need to do was to lose with a certain result, and we lost by that result. So <laughs> I, I have a very negative feeling. I think the only thing that's going to calm the fans down is it's a convincing win, and I don't think we can do that because I think I know, those are starting to play better. They've got some of the guys to healthy, but I do expect us to win. I think that... Um, we're much better at playing at home than when we were away, uh, more so than any team that I can recall in recent history uh, that, that's showed up to play for season. So I, I expect this to win, I guess I can say, I'd say maybe 2-1, I think is a, is a realistic scoreline. The ZS2 game is is much, much more difficult. That's that's really the money game. Um, Braga is a team that's very experienced, that's got a couple of players that even though they don't have big names, they can win a match with an individual moment or a piece of brilliance, a shot from distance, or whatever. And the way that Zvezna won the game at home was was bizarre. I mean, it was it was gutsy and resilient. But you had Milan Rodi scoring a header from the edge of the box, and you ended up getting a penalty. And really, Braga had the better chances. I don't remember the possession stats, but they were the team that had the better initiative or were more incise and more sharp. And we are talking about a team that's consistently played in the knockout that usually the Europa league for years now, and they, they were in the Champions League. So maybe they don't have the players that they maybe had five, six years ago, but they still got guys that have played together for a long time. They know how to win. They're a tough side, um, history for Zvezda goes in their favor. We remember the game in 2005, when Zvez was able to make a one-one there and, and advance in, in, what was the UEFA Cup back then. Uh, the rematch was two years later, I think they lost 2-0. So this is a rubber match. And I think that they're going to be somewhat influenced by the Michelin game. I think they know that Michelin's probably going to win that, because the Gretz, despite their innate attacking ability, they can't stop the four of us from scoring. So I think that they're going to be aware that if they want to get something, they have to win the Bronle game, which might be the wrong move for them. But I also think that the Gretz game showed that they have the capacity, despite missing on their transfers and despite changing of the formation, because they played a three at the back against the Ludogratz, um, they have the capacity to soak up pressure, and they have the experience. they played together for, for a while. This is their fifth season in a row in Europe. They're going up against a team that's not obscenely better than them, and I think that because of that, I, I'm, I'm expecting a draw. I don't think that if, if, if the other players going forward were more fit and if some of the guys in that team that you know, are crucial, like, say, for or you or know, some of the fullbacks, for example, were completely fit, I would say that they would have a better chance of winning. But if you don't have Sunogo and you don't have Rolich, those are two massive, massive losses because you don't really have adequate replacements for them. Um, but with that being said, I mean, the way Ivanich has been playing and the way Kata has been playing, just the two of them alone have shown that they're match winners. And again, you have a guy like Milan Popko up front who keeps turning up with big goals when they need him. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty confident they're going to get a draw. How good is that going to be for them going through in the Europa League? Whether it's going to be for the round of 16 or the round of 32, I don't know. I'm expecting Mitchell lance and Pete Leruguer pretty convincingly. But I think that has shown that they have experience and the resources needed to get a draw. And they have enough attacking talent to where they can win a match and if they're not playing well. And Braga is not the type of team like Benfica or Porto where they're going to really hand you back and pressure you. whether it's because of their lack of talent or because they're not a team that plays that way. So I'm going to say 1-1. I think that's, that's a really reasonable scoreline. Okay, and uh, Luca, what are your predictions?
1: Uh, before I get into my predictions, I do just want to mention, despite all the pessimism on this podcast, dude, it is, um, myself included, of course, it is beautiful that, you know, we're talking about Zia on both in prime position to go through to play uh, in European football in the spring. So, despite all the pessimism and that maybe the, our teams haven't been performing in the last month or so, um, it's still a beautiful time to be a supporter of either club, and of course, you know the national team and everything. It's just a good time for Serbian football in general. So I just want to put that out. When you take a macro up uh, look at, at everything, uh, for prediction wise, I think Partizan will actually do it pretty easily. I think they're gonna get the the boys in the uh, black and white are gonna get a 2-0 uh, win. For Zvezda, I already said I expect them. I, I expect them to really get um their asses handed to them, but I'm going to go with a 2-1 loss, but I'm going to also predict that in the other game, uh, Michelin will tie 1-1 with Ludo Goretz and therefore will go through. Hopefully that's what happens. At best case scenario, I think Zvezda can inch out a, a draw. I, it, the way, the, the, the kind of form we're in right now, I just don't see us going into Portugal and getting a win. Yeah, and uh,
2: Valley, what are your predictions? Lorca, brother, I absolutely agree with you, as I you know, do with you, Alex, and all that type of stuff. But um, we're in the situation now whereby we need to raise the bar, right? So our expectations, we need to challenge ourselves as, as Serbian football as a whole to raise our bar. Um, and then I... Um, um, you know, put it this way, I should be Arthanosis and they they should go through and we can all call um uh Floritalia a hiccup. Zvezda, on the other hand against um um Braga, that's gonna be a very, very different mission. Braga had some very, very high-quality moments when they played against Zvezda in Belgrade. They are, they're, a, they're a good team. They're a good side. They are managed very well by Wally old manager, Carlos Caval, um, who is very, very well-respected in Portugal and abroad. So this is going to be a tough call for Zvezda, a really, really tough call. Um, Zvezda's, Zvezda's um, uh, weakness at the moment is their lack, lack of depth so their first 11 is good but who they take people off the bench and things like that if things need to be changed because we're in an era now where covid plays a part and you know like alexander kataya has never been the same when um um uh, never been the same when he got covid and you know he got got better, got better after that or supposedly got better so, you know, we're in that era now where people are taking longer and longer to get, to get back to, to full fitness. Especially when
0: only uh, three players on the team are actually vaccinated or, or whatever. Abso- the abso-
2: absolutely, but, uh, you know, as I keep going to that whole subject, you know, it's each to their own, right? So, um, you, you you take your consequences for and you take your consequences against. So, listen, I once said that we're more than life itself, right? We need to build onto this momentum. Um I I just think that we now left it to the hardest possible scenario. And I think the worst thing that we can do is play for a draw. You know, like what like rather Zvezda play for a win and end up drawing rather than playing for a draw and end up losing and not going anywhere. Um uh, so I believe that's gonna be that's gonna be our greatest challenge. And then hopefully what we what we want to do is play European football next year, and so if that doesn't motivate either of those teams more than uh, more than anything, then they don't deserve to be there. Right. But we need to get onto that momentum of which is being um, slowly brewing. Um, you know, is slowly brewing through through Serbian football. We need to get onto that, so we need to raise the bar. We're not being pessimistic, but we we're just calling the last month for what it was. In club football land, right? Rather than rather than the national team, it was a bit arrogant. But can we do it? Of course we can. Absolutely, absolutely we can. Um, but for Zvezda, we would need to play close to out of our skin. Right? I think Partizan is more in a box seat to progress in their their group, um, but Zvezda would need to play out of their skin, and we haven't done that in the last three games. We were really outplayed against Michelin in Denmark. We were outplayed in areas um, in Belgrade. Let's forget. Um, uh, let's forget those two. ludogorets we, we showed a sign of improvement. It was it was that real that um, uh, they had more fight in them. That's more than anything, rather than top quality play. Now the thing is, is when we go into this European uh, uh, the winter break for the Serbian league, there's all sorts of, sorts of reports. There's reports that a Saudi Arabian club. And a, a club from Qatar. Stand, I'll stand corrected. Are now after uh, Ben. So if that happens, we've got to find reinforcements for that position there as well. So it's it's we're going we're going to go through a um, uh, we're going to go through a tricky tricky period.
3: Yeah,
0: for sure. And, and you guys have all mentioned the lack of depth. Um, we have seen that in the in these uh, in this group stage. You know, we saw with Partizan against Gank when uh, Isiala was out. You know, he had to sub on, um, you know, a 47-year-old uh, Lola Smilenic who, you know, let's face it, he shouldn't really be getting minutes in such an important, important game, but there wasn't really much options with the season's lack of depth. As there's the two in attack, uh, you know, it's basically top goal, although youngster Lazetic has looked pretty promising the last couple of games, but he's still, you know, he's still just a teenager. He'll, he needs time, but, you know, we'll see. And as far as my score predictions, I think, Put these on well, and get the job done uh, for two nothing, and then Zvezda. Um, it's going to be a lot tougher, as you guys have mentioned. I still think that Stokic can get the team up for this for this game. Um, you know, he's going to motivate them well for this one, and, and they all know what this game means. So I think they will they will get a one one, and which will be enough to get through. Uh, but it's not going to be easy for either team. And they'll both have to improve their form if we want to improve, uh, you know, we want to have a chance of making it and as well as doing well in, in the knockouts. Um, now, let's uh, switch gears a bit uh, back to some national team talk. I know, you know, we just called for the World Cup, but there's actually a draw coming up <laughs> next week for the uh, Euro Playoffs. Um, I know the Euro Playoffs, are the last thing we want to talk about after what happened. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're a nation sorry nations league, the nations league for the Euros. The playoffs is still on my mind from from last year when uh, Scotland beat us on penalties. just don't want to still still scarred from
3: that moment. But yeah, the groups are being drawn uh, next week for the nations
0: league playoffs. We're in we're uh, in League C currently or no we're in League B currently. Um, with you know we, we'll get we're gonna get a group good group regardless. It's just the uh, last time we saw, you know, when we bottled it in the actual qualifying for the Euros, the playoffs is what the, the Nations League, winning our group in our Nations League is actually what kept us alive. And we had that really easy group with, uh, with our uh, little brother Montenegro and Lithuania and Romania as well are our good neighbors. So hopefully we can get another easy group here and be in a have, a, have like a, a backup plan in case... We have our usual uh, Euro qualifying implosion, which has been quite the tradition for, for most of our lives, unfortunately. Uh, so Alex, what are, what are your uh, thoughts on, on the Nations League? Do you, do you care at all, or, or is, it just, is this just going to distract us from from the World Cup next year?
3: No, I definitely care. I think that uh, the fact that it was able to give us an opportunity to qualify for last year means that you cannot uh, underestimate it under any circumstances. Um, I'm certainly very interested to see how things are going to work. Uh, Important things are uh, some necessary information, uh, just very quickly to name the teams that are along with us in League B, which I think is important. Uh, You have the relegated teams from League A, which were Ukraine, Sweden, Bosnia, Iceland. And along as you have Finland, Norway, Scotland, Russia, Israel, Romania, Ireland, Slovenia, Montenegro, Albania, and Armenia, um, which if you read those names, apart from maybe Ukraine and Sweden. There's really not a team that I would say that is better than that. Like, even like Russia is, is a tough matchup for us. But if you saw how they played against Croatia, if we were a matchup against Russia right now, we'd beat them. I'm, I'm sure of it. But if we you saw them play against us last time in the nation. Yeah, league. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Bob, no. um, Sweden is, is, a, is a tough team in terms of its, its defensive ability and in terms of their cohesion. But I think that the fact that they brought Ibrahimovic back might be a problem for them. Now, whether he stays for the nation's league or not is a different thing. Um, but I, I still believe that uh, that talent wise are just much better and also tactically much more advanced than they are, and the other teams are just more talented than. And I think the consistency we've shown in these qualifiers that, uh, that our ability to beat the teams that were better than is great, which is a, a very good trait of this generation because if you look at it, we really haven't had a hiccup against the small teams since we drew in Armenia, which is what almost eight years ago. All the other small teams that we played against whether it was Georgia, whether it was Moldova, Lithuania, uh, Luxembourg, we've beaten all those teams. I think that's something that the nation league is good for. Uh, the other important information is that the games are actually going to be played very close together. You have six match days. Uh, four of them are going to take place in June, obviously because of the fact that our uh, the world cup's going to take place in November. Uh, you have the first two match days between June 2nd and June 8th and the next two match days between June 8th and June 14th. So you actually have four games to play with, which is very, very weird. Um, and I'm interested to see how that works. If anybody knows of our historic uh, achievements in terms of how we play in certain months, uh, usually when we're playing in March or when we're playing in maybe even September when the season's just underway or when the season's in full swing, our results are pretty good. Uh, but when we're playing in June, when the season's at its end, our results are notoriously bad. So I think that's a factor that you actually have to take in because all these days are going to be at the end of the season. And it is going to be interesting to see how teams are going to prepare for Qatar when it's going to be in the middle of the season. How the camps are going to want but obviously that's way down the line. Um, I'm interested to see how Pixie approaches it. I think if you were to gauge from the previous friendlies that he's had, he's shown that he is willing to adjust the team and certainly rotate it and give guys opportunities, whether it's Vitaly Klushovich or Milos Vilar in the goalkeeping department, or Luka Jovic or other guys around the team. But he stays with his style of football, which is exactly the way it should be. He doesn't change the system of play. He doesn't do anything too radical. He just looks for guys that can be different types of options in a fairly similar system that he's trying to implement. And he's just trying to strengthen what we're already doing. And I think that he's somebody who can manage the Nations League really, really well. Because if you remember the last time I was at Kristaic, and we came out with strong teams and we didn't even rotate, really didn't Try out new formations, and uh, but it wasn't that we were keeping the same formation to strengthen how we play. It was because he didn't know what else to do. I think Pixie used this time to really maybe even experiment, uh, maybe try something new. Certainly, he's got enough options where we've got probably a roster of twenty to twenty-five usable guys where he can change and rotate players in between. And uh, I really expect us to go out and probably be in contention to win the group. I don't know how the the uh, ranking system works in terms of where we're positioned, but I'm assuming since we just narrowly escaped relegation, we can probably expect to get Ukraine or Sweden or one of the teams that got relegated from the game. so. Uh, but with that being said, this team has shown a willingness to win every game. They take every game very seriously. You can tell from the Qatar game just before the Portugal game that they took that one very seriously. Uh, so I'm interested to see what happens. I'm hopeful that uh, this FSS uses reasonable prices for those games, because so I think it would be good have four games in, in two weeks. It would be great to get the the fans to come back and watch, uh, but I'm equally interested in the March period when the playoff games are going to take place. How are we going to pick our opposition? And if we're going to have any friends at that point, because we don't really have any sort of, um, obligation then. so it's an interesting period, but I think Pick's shown that the, the handling of the friendlies has been done well. He's given you guys opportunities. And I'm pretty sure if other new guys are playing well uh, in the following 68 months around Europe and the world, he's not going to be scared to give him a chance. So I, I think that he's shown sure that he can manage it well. And I think that the talent we have dictates the fact that we can win the nation's league, which can be very useful because well in Austria, uh, made the playoffs for, for this World cup based on their nation's league performance. So it, it's also something that can be very useful. And I think he's aware of that. So I'm, I'm yeah. actually excited for it.
0: And I think, yeah, it's, it's a great, I think it's a good, good place to test some players. As well, um, you know, I think our squad is fairly set, I would say, but there are still some positions that we could use some reinforcements in. I mean, I'm I'm sure he might give a chance to the to the duo from Bushum who's playing very well uh, currently, Milos Pavletic and Erhan Masovic. Those guys are playing regularly for their club and they're doing pretty decent in the Bundesliga, so I think he's gonna give them a chance. Maybe we'll see more of uh, Milinkovic-Savic in goal uh, to see, you know, who's gonna get that spot for the World Cup. Uh, so I, I think it will be a good good opportunity for him to see a bit more players and i'm sure he's going to rotate a lot and experiment a lot especially with those june games our older players uh, i'm sure tadic isn't going to play all those games you know i'm sure mitrovic is going to get plenty of rest we'll see samjovic and uh, Vlahovic in there for, for most of those minutes so uh, i think in, in that sense it's going to be good cuz we'll have some time to uh, we'll have some time to test some players uh, Luca, what are your thoughts on, on uh, the upcoming Nations League?
1: Yeah, I'd have to um, agree with, you know, everything Alexa just said, um, but I will add, of all the names that he just read that are going to be in uh, B, League B, whatever, whatever it's called, um, you know, I, I, I'm not, I don't care who's in our group, I, as Veli really talked about, it's, it's about leveling up now, I, and I agree with that, and I think that means that you expect to be first in, in whoever it is in this uh, Nations League group that we get. Um, so, I'm going to be expecting that, and if um, the Qatar friendly is any indication, I don't think that Pixie will be stepping off the gas pedal anytime soon, especially not for uh, the Nations League, and especially not when you can use the Nations League as a total, like, launch pad for just going into uh, Qatar uh, and, and the World Cup um, on an extreme high. So, you know, I'm expect anything less than first place in the group, no matter who we get in the group, will be a disappointment in my eyes, and I think also in Pixie's eyes, um, especially since he was able to just take us directly to the World Cup and by beating uh, Portugal at uh, in Lisbon. Um, so that's, that's what I'm expecting, and, and I also think it is a good time to obviously try out New players. I think other nations will be doing that as well. So we can. Um, so it'll be pretty pretty even in that department. Um, so yeah, man. I guess that's where that's where I would be. It's time to level up and expect to be first.
0: Yeah, and I think we we all know Pixie's uh, mentality by now. He's going to want to win. He's going to want to finish. He's going to want to finish first. I don't think he's going to treat this like friendlies at all, uh, because he knows the importance of qualifying for the Euros. And I think also another thing that we can use these games for is to you know cap tie. Some players that are potentially, you know, playing for other countries currently, like uh, Lazarus Samardzic from Udinese or Daria Malash, who's doing very well with FC Basel currently. So guys like that who are, who are, you know, still kind of on, on, it's unsure who they'll play for. You know, this could be this could be another opportunity to get some of those players into our team and you know, give them some minutes to cap time for the future, especially since you know we're going to the World Cup. We have some leverage in that sense currently. And of course, we have a legend as a manager, which won't hurt either when you're when you're talking to these players and trying to, you know, in a, in a way, get them to play for us and not for, you know, Switzerland or Germany or whatever other, other country they can play for. Valley. Very quickly, Milos, uh, before sorry. Valley
3: comes, and sorry to interrupt, uh, the kid from Bayern, I forget his name, did we, did we lock him up? Or uh, is is he still, uh, I forget his
0: oh, name. Oh, yeah, it? he plays for, he's, he's playing for the under-19th, so I don't think. Okay, cool, cool. yeah. I don't know, well, I mean, who knows? Germany can always sneak in, but for, for now, he's playing for us,
2: yeah. Miloše, can I throw something out there, brother? Right? Yeah, brother. This is what I'd love to see more than anything. We're in a weird phase of, of World Cup history where it's being played in December. Many of the leagues are going to finish. Some of them, I've heard that... um. Uh, the English Premier League is going to finish eight days before the opening match at the World Cup. So there's really only the June fixtures and the March fixtures that are taking place before the World Cup starts. That's not a lot of time. In, you know what I would love to see more than life itself? The June fixtures are the Nations League, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but that uh, the Nations League and the Euro, uh, Europa Conference League are two of the best ideas UEFA have come up with in the last 50 years because they've been riddled with scandal just like FIFA and everything else. And I can't believe I'm actually um, saying that. But we go. at the end of the day, credit is credit is due. I think the Nations League is fantastic. The more meaningful internationals that we have, the better it is. I would love to see whether this is going to happen is far flung. That there's a March international window. I would love to see Serbia play two friendly games in that region of the Middle East, whether it be Abu Dhabi, whether it be Muscat in Oman, whether it be Manama in Bahrain, whether it be in Doha itself, whether it be in Sharjah, Dubai, whatever it is, and for the players to go on a camp in that area to get used to the heat, to get used to the conditions, to get used to the infrastructure, to get used to the travel, the transport and everything. Granted, I believe in March, the heat um, uh, was would, would starting to get worse because you'd be coming off the Northern Hemisphere um, winter. But I would love to see two friendly matches. I believe, Alexa you're closer to the Serbian media than, than I am. The, the first mention was possibly Milo Andreeva, the goalkeeper who's now coaching Ghana, um, for that to be one of his opposition in those March friendlies. Um, but I would love to be like a study tour, if you will, a preparation tour that they went to the Middle East to get ready for the World Cup because it's literally this. March international window, the June-July international window, correct me, but we know, we both know it's there. And then it's basically the World Cup. And you you do have older, September left, but that's also only two games, so that's not really a lot of time exactly, exactly right, but the thing is though, is the the crucial period is we don't have that three, three and a half week period before every other World Cup in the past, of whereby um, uh, you had time and preparation in every national team squad to get your camp together and get things organised. So yeah, I, would yeah, I think to, that's I'll, a good
0: I'll, idea, but if you remember, uh, you know, this summer when we went to, uh, to Asia, how many players pulled out, you know, whether it be from, you know, minor knocks or the club this is,
2: just again, not wanting again, this to go. Is where, uh, this is where we need to change, right? This is where we need to change. This is where we need to get onto that momentum because at the end of the day, European players going to going to Middle East, that's a four-hour trip. Trust me, I've done, the, I've done that leg um, many a time. It's four to five hours. If they were going to the other end of the world playing games in Panama or Costa Rica, then uh, they would see Luka there, but they'd also um, uh, have a long trip home. Um, so um, it's it can be done. It is more than feasible. It is more than feasible. So I don't know. I, I would just I would love to see that to give us the best possible chance of succeeding in that World Cup. Our ambition must be at the World Cup is to get out of the group stage and then win a match, and after that, fumble that, right? Throw your hands up in the air and enjoy yourself. But I reckon that, and we don't know the draw, we don't know the groups, we don't know our opponents. We it don't shouldn't matter. Anything.
1: It shouldn't matter, right? If you're exactly playing your right. game, it shouldn't matter.
2: Exactly right. Said so we are in that area, and it was, and I was crapping on, which I'm known for. In the last pod, the wave is coming. We're not on it yet. But the wave is coming and we need to get on board as fans, as administrators, as players, as managers. That's what we need to do. And we need to make smart, wise, calculated decisions to make sure that um, we succeed uh, We succeed in any way we possibly can. I agree. Sure. The, only thing
3: that, the only thing that sucks is that the the March friendlies uh, are just before the World Cup it's Because... Usually the draw would be right now in November, and then you can use the March release to really like the The thing, that is, the thing is, is,
2: that that type of trip that I proposed would be more about infrastructure, transport conditions, weather, uh, a climate. No, definitely. I mean, it's, it's, not a, it's not an it's not easy trip to make. I'm pretty sure you're not the only one that's come up with that idea. I'm sure that some of the teams that are coming uh, from maybe the European because continent, if maybe every the parts, if, are going to show up. If my shitty research has has done its job. And if all the other reports are are, um, uh, are true and factual and correct, yes, the stadiums, most of them are within forty to forty-five minutes uh, from each other, but accommodation is going to be more than a challenge. There's also there's already reports that there's no rooms left. There's also reports I've heard on another podcast that's inferior to ours, but um, <laughs> that. Um, uh, some of the Airbnbs in Doha are going at around £15,000 a month. So yep. um, uh, it is going to be very, very difficult already. And I know that all the national teams will not have problems, you know, with accommodation, this and everything else, but I feel sorry for the poor, uh, poor um, uh, fans that are going to go there. But um, these, are the, these are the type of logistical situations and challenges that we just need to be prepared for. And I think we need to prepare as... Quickly and as uh, extensively as we possibly can.
0: Yeah, and I think one of uh, one of our listeners from the UK just shelled out, I think, around eight thousand pounds. For his accommodations for Qatar, <laughs> if I remember what he wrote. To the that, that's not even counting the, the price for the tickets, right? Yeah, he has, no no tickets yet. Just just the accommodations that he set from
2: That's how so. much that's how much uh, Maluka lost now. Getting off of this podcast now from cryptocurrency.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I <laughs> haven't uh, seen the charts, dude.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly right. We're really really killing the man. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's making massive gains. He can afford it. Yeah, yeah, dude. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Maybe I won't be going to Qatar after all, dude. <laughs>
2: Charlie hey, Moss brother, "Brother, Charlie Moss said, but it's your shout
1: anyway." All right, so as long
2: as you know that. Yeah, 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 and I think you know when we look at the,
0: the playoffs that we won't be in. Thankfully, um, we do have a chance to move up in pots. Uh, we're currently going to be just by the estimates, we're going to be in pot three for the for the draw of the groups for the World Cup, and if you know some results go our way. In these these playoffs and these final qualifying games for other federations and for Europe, you know we have we have a good chance of getting into pot two and having a potentially easy group, easy, easy not easier group. Although pot three and pot two, you know they're both going to be filled with strong teams. I mean, that's
3: that's really pick your poison. I mean I don't really see much of a difference there. The the thing that I would say is that because you get two European teams max, I'm pretty sure that the, the pot one team is going to be either Qatar, Brazil, or Argentina. Because most of the simulations people have done, like seventy yeah. percent of them show that so i mean you can kind of play a little bit because of that restriction but uh i wouldn't like to be any of the pot one teams looking at pot two and pot three because it's, it's dead even in my eyes no definitely but i think in
0: pot three there's gonna be a lot more non-european teams um so you know that might not do us well because you know lost to ghana and those things but you know i do like our odds against more so like a team like mexico than you know one of the stronger European sides. Um, but we'll see. I mean, yeah, you're right, pot two, pot three. It's it's all going to be quality teams. Even pot four is going to be teams that can beat us, who we should be but but can beat us, and it wouldn't be a surprise they beat us. So there is plenty to look forward to, even though we won't be playing in the playoff, thank God. And hopefully, you know, we we'll see both Italy and Portugal not make it. That would be amazing, because then we would definitely be in pot two. And, you know, we'll see maybe our, our, our
3: Macedonian friends uh, go to the World Cup. Hey, uh, Absolutely, they had a they had a great qualifying cycle. They could beat Germany. least uh, played, and the fact that they they had their hiccups against Switzerland. Uh, why not? We're rooting for them, all for all for Yugoslav representation. I
1: just I just want to see us in a group with the United States. That would be a dream come true for me, man. It's just the United so...
0: States, and
1: uh, hey, there's one. a
2: massive possibility. There's a massive possibility that it could either be the U.S. or Canada, yep. or even Australia.
0: Yeah, for sure. I want the Dutch though. I think we're better than them, and oh, yeah. I think we owe we owe them we owe them so much <laughs> times three.
3: We owe them big time.
0: Yeah, and I think oh man, I think I, I, just, I think I just our pixie would be up for that so much, and he would get the players up for that so much. I really think uh, like it's there, kind of destiny. There... I
3: think it's destiny. It must be like a, like a, like a chance that we can get Argentina and the Netherlands in the group, and we can erase of them.
1: Bring them on, man! Bring them on. Dream come true.
0: I'm just saying, like, this this like whole qualifying with Pixie has been kind of destiny, right? His first goal for a national team against Portugal. His, the last time we beat Portugal was when he scored that goal and then we, you know, win Portugal and go to the World Cup. His last game at the World Cup, you know, that, that game against the Netherlands in 1998. And that horrible last-minute loss after that goal by, uh, was it Davids? Uh, that yeah, idiot. David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think, I think like, not
3: to, really not to hard. mention, not to mention the six one. but... Uh, yeah. yeah. Gonna, well, yeah. I don't want to talk about that. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a lot.
0: That of never
2: happened. That was that was, was 1998. Yeah. Were you guys like five when you were watching that one? <laughs> <laughs> I was in my I was in my dad's balls. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: no, I
0: remember it right. well. I remember it well actually. <laughs> Good. <laughs> but God, yeah, I mean, I, them I them. think I think it. I think like I just feel like it's destiny that we get them, and I think we are better than them, and, and
3: I can't wait. <laughs>
1: Dude, dude, uh, I, just, I, want, I really want England for some reason, man. I just want to uh, knock the arrogance out of them with a with a decisive win, dude. That would be that would be the cherry on the cake, dude. Then they could lose the rest of the games. I really wouldn't care.
0: <laughs> yeah, or knowing us, we beat England and then lose to Costa Rica.
1: Right, right, right. <laughs>
0: exactly, and uh, yeah, you know what? Let's uh, cap the show off then with some other talk. Our boy uh, Dusan Vlahovic today for another goal. He's got 12 goals and 15 league games, currently the Syria top scorer in the league, while playing for Fiorentina, a team that does not provide him with great service or has, you know, doesn't have great midfielders or great wingers. So let's give him a big shout out. He's continuing to kill it. Um, any any mentions you want to make, Luca? Players are doing cur- well currently.
1: No, I actually watched the. Um the the game today um and yeah man he was great he was great um i do want to i do want to give a shout out to uh milos pontovich from bokum we kind of uh, briefly touched on him but he had uh, two amazing goals a a long range basically from half field um very recently and those those are beauties great vision on those um it seems like all of our players are playing pretty damn well including you know todich obviously at ax we know that um so i just gotta tell him to keep it up man it's beautiful to see
0: Okay, man, that, that was Milos Pantvic Two goals in the Bundesliga this season, both of them from one was beyond the half line, I think, and the other one was just in, in the half line. Right. Um, yeah, he's he's seems like he's coming on nicely for them. Still a young player, might be a uh, future with him for him with the national team for sure. Um, Alex, any any mentions you want to make before we uh, close the show?
3: I was definitely going to mention Pankovic, not to mention that both of his goals came with different feet. The first one was with his left, the other one was his right. And uh, when you look at the fact that our center back position might be the only one that hasn't been fully decided, uh, we can use all the help we can get. I also watched Pankovic and, uh, 29, and go- 29 goals in 39 games, and the ease of which he makes it look, I mean, he, he's just effortlessly gliding past people, and uh, much better than knowing Holland in my book, any anyone else's book. So I don't really know who I would... I would uh, Shout out all the guys playing well and and they're, they're keeping up a good form,
1: but uh, I guess if I was to make a special shout out, it would go to the cross stage for an amazing assist. Oh yeah, uh, man. For the game winner of, uh, for
3: Frankfurt. Absolutely. Crossed it from the from the halfway line, and it was a Beckham-like cross that uh, went right onto the head. I, mean, I don't think it was Andre Shell, I forget who it was, but uh, you know his crossing ability. The only thing that he really misses is the flare in his crosses, and that was as flary a cross as you can get. If he can add that into his game, he might be like. Legitimately, the best playing back in the world because his pace, his strength, his understanding of the game is already elite. And uh, if he can just add technical aspect to it, and if he can work on his weaker foot, which he also displayed very well in that game, because I watched him a little bit, um, he, would, he would be such a difference maker. So shout out to Fred costage, and shout out to all the guys, man. They're all played well. And, but very quickly, uh, before I give Ellie an odd, there are two things that I'd like to mention. First off, on a less uh, lighter tone, uh shout out to stefan jelowitz uh the the basketball player uh who unfortunately suffered a brain hemorrhage uh, a couple weeks ago he was a key member of our team during the qualifying cycle for the world cup uh, two years ago a very good player and uh, we we wish him all the best it's a terrible thing to happened, and uh you know a lot of respect to the greeks for for paying all of his medical bills and really being there to support him and on a lighter note a shout out to the informative agencies of serbia I don't know if you guys saw the story. It was revolving millions of all people. Funny enough, they I mentioned him, uh, Vladimir Voletic, who was the former, uh, legal counsel for Partizan who left the club, uh, gave an interview today and he talked about how there was a directive, uh, basically an order from the, uh, informative agencies that Milos Smihanic has to sign for Partizan because his money and the paycheck he's going to get is going to go to his like best man or whatever. Who's a uh, highly positioned politician in the Serbian Progressive Party? So <laughs> oh, that's the fantastic. chaos, the chaos of <laughs> Serbian football just carries on, and uh, not to mention the fact that he also uh, paid for the hotel trip that we had when we went to play in Santa Clara. So shout out to Milan Cvijanich for uh, being a wall of uh, Talk that stuff. You know, Daniel Craig, you have a Daniel Craig, you have a replacement. Uh, Find one. <laughs> nothing
2: that's like that's like me that's like me losing 20 kilos going to play football again signing for my local club and my money going to the australian greens party it ain't gonna (laughs) fucking happen (laughs) you you seem like a green party type of guy i know it's
3: gonna
1: (laughs) hey uh, let's also i
3: I wish i wish i wish you were here because there's going to be a protest uh, this this weekend uh it is going to be oriented by the green party but uh, it's going to be much more much more radical and much cooler than what you guys have I think you can get the best
1: of all worlds here. Saying, yeah. Hey, uh, guys, let's let's also not forget to give a shout-out to our boy, uh, the new mayor of Miami, Nikola Jokic, dude.
2: Absolutely. Him and his bros. Him his bros, man. Oh, he's up on
0: the MVP. Oh, that was amazing. And, Vali, of course, we can't end the show without your final shout-outs and thoughts. Go ahead, my man
2: absolutely so i'd love to get a massive shout out to the Avala football club which was formed in 1968 um, in sydney australia it is now known as the bonnie rig white eagles have a massive history within australian serbian uh, football and one of the big things that they have is their um, youth development and uh, talent uh, progression um, I have a massive shout-out to two very young lads, Danilo Mirustrak and Aleksandar Juricic, who have been selected in the um, youth team for Sydney FC, which is the um, uh, team in the A-League, so the, the professional divisions within here in Australia. As many of our listeners would know, uh, Milos Ninkovic is playing his fifth or sixth season now, ex-Serbian um, international uh, playing here in Australia. So a massive shout out to Danilo and Alexander. I hope your uh, career progression uh, just goes leaps and bounds and to Avala, um, to you know, Bonnarik White Eagles. Again, well done, fellas, for your massive um, talent and youth development program to keep producing these young kids and let's hope that they um, uh, get a very, very fully uh, fulfilling career. And my last shout-out, guys, let's, I'll be really, really transparent here and to all of our li- uh, listeners, to my little man, Atanasier, who unfortunately broke his arm last night and spent the night in hospital and things like that. You are very, very, very brave. Uh, your parents are really, really proud of you. Um, guys, he, he loves playing football, loves playing basketball. Um, he has a, the, the Puma, you Strip, of which he hardly ever takes off. Um, and he gets up to watch all the games and goes to school, you know, almost half, uh, half asleep, which he takes after uh, takes after his old man. <laughs> Not a problem at all um, because of the time difference. And um, so a massive shout-out to him. You're a very, very brave young man, and he's a massive Cristiano Ronaldo fan. And then when Serbia played um, Portugal two weeks ago, and obviously we got up and all that type of stuff, and I asked him, I said, well, what about Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo? There was a big pause, and he just went, "Ah, oh, bugger him!" So um, <laughs> uh, it's not, not, nothing better than that. So a massive shout out to you, a massive shout out to Daniel Alexander, and uh, as I say to everybody, all the every single time, is Ravi Billy.
0: That's right, okay. Well, soon our, our little man, our number one fan, of course, um, and everybody, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week.